Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of his word. Question. When is a great time to give a sermon about counting the Omer during the counting of the Omer? When do you think is the best time to do that? Here's one answer. Oh, we have some answers? Anytime, okay. Well, when the explanation of it appears in that week's Torah portion, while you're counting it, that's a good day to do it, right? You don't sound excited. I'm, I'm very excited about this. Yeah, so it's kind of, it's everything lined up, right, uh, for that. So um, as uh, Maggie, our uh, administrator extraordinary, mentioned, we have a prayer guide from the UMJC, which is the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations, one of our umbrella organizations. And uh, let's take another look at it. I know we just saw it, but uh, this, is, uh, this is very cool. Uh, they sent this out. If you'd like a copy, um, a little e-copy, you can go on umjc.org. And uh, there's a theme for counting the Omer and praying through the Omer this year. Love is a verb, right? Um, and that's a, that's a really good one. And the, there was a, I remember there was a sermon one time uh, from the UMJC, love is a how word. Love is a Howard, and there was a Rabbi Howard that really liked that, and he kept saying that over and over, like, yeah, love is a Howard. Okay, but anyway, love is also a verb, <laughs> uh, and this is from Matthew 25. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you made me your guest. I needed clothes, and you provided them. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. As you did to one of the least of my brothers, you did to me. And then at the bottom, this is, uh, I took a little screenshot. Next, next slide, please, if we have it. At the bottom, it has a little instruction, and, and it explains what we're doing. Join the global Messianic Jewish community in 49 days of prayer and chesed as we put our love for Yeshua in action and challenge ourselves to see and to serve the poor, the sick, the stranger, and the prisoners in our midst. Take a moment in the evenings to say the blessing for counting the Omer, to plan your own acts of chesed for the needy within your family, Week one, your congregation, your city, your local Jewish community, the people of Ukraine, the people of Israel. In the seventh and final week, challenge yourself to show love even to your enemies. Finally, as you count the Omer, set aside $1 per day, um, or whatever, you know, the God puts on your heart, to give as a Thanksgiving offering on Shavuot. 100% of your Shavuot offering this year will go to the UMJC Ukraine Relief Fund, which supports our partners in Ukraine, Poland, Moldova, and Romania. And then uh, on the next 
uh, little page, you have the blessing. And I wanted to include, uh, it's a little bit smaller this time because I wanted to include all the weeks up to, up to this week. Uh, and so we recite this blessing every evening uh, as, as, as best as we can remember. Sonia and I have been doing it, you know, when we remember. <laughs> and uh, we say, and say it with me if you know it. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kedushanu b'mitzvotav, v'tzivanu al sefirat haomer. Blessed are you, <clears throat> Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by his commandments and commanded us to count the omer. Today is day, and then you look down, what's today? May... May 14th. So it's actually not the evening yet, so we're on day 28. So we're still praying for the Jewish community. But tonight, as Maggie said correctly, we're going to be praying for the Ukraine, right? And all the things that are going on there. We'll be praying for God's provision and uh, restoration there. So the due date for Baby Smush, as we like to call him, is uh, June 5th, which is also Shavuot, or Pentecost. So as uh, Sony and I are counting up toward uh, our bundle of joy, right, uh, we're counting also up toward the giving of the Torah, on Sinai, and we're counting up toward the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And uh, so, you know, give or take a few days, right? That's just the due date, but it does happen to be exactly on Shavuot. Um, the doctor that we called um, p- potentially to do the, the, the circumcision, at least the medical part, you know, I'm going to do the the religious part, he said uh, he only works on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So he advised Sonia to kind of whisper into her belly, right, you know, to try to come out one of those days, because eight days later, you know, that's uh, that's good for, for him. But, you know, we'll, we'll try to do our best, right? And I, I don't think uh, that this timing is an accident. Amen? I think this is on purpose. I think this is on purpose. I believe this is God's timing, right? Um, I don't know what's going to happen, you know. That she could, uh, are you feeling okay, babe? You're not going into labor now? Okay, right? But uh, it could be. Or it could be, you know, when we're gathered at our Shavuot, you know, picnic. And, uh, and experiencing uh, the Holy Spirit, right? Just as, uh, and then, you know, could, could happen then, could happen, we don't know. But God's timing is perfect. And every night, as best we can remember, we say the Omer blessings and we put a little dollar in representing the Omer offering that we're going to give at the end of the counting. And this week, you know, we're on day 28, right? So this week we were on day 25. And I noticed that the the same amount of dollars that were outside the box were inside the box. We were exactly halfway, right? 25 plus 25. And uh, I was like, wow. Babe, we're, we're halfway there. Halfway there. Oh, living on... Sorry. I, I have a little uh, Jewish ADHD called Spilkes, so sometimes I get distracted. But we are living on a prayer, right? Okay. It's, it makes sense. So we're, we're halfway there, right, uh, this week. And uh, it's been amazing. It's just been an amazing experience because we're counting up the Omer. We're counting toward baby Smush. And, you know, I can feel him moving around in there. And I always say, hey, you're doing a good job, you know, um, trying to encourage him. And uh, we're counting up to the expected arrival. 
Usually for the festival offerings, we at Tikvot Israel like to do half for the congregation and half outward. That's what we announced in our video. But um, as I was praying uh, and preparing this sermon, I felt like God put it on my heart for all of the Shavuot offering to go outward toward uh, toward the Ukraine uh, relief fund, not half for the community uh, and half for the for the UMJC uh, relief fund, but for all of it. And uh, I I messaged the other uh, leaders, and they were all like, "Sounds great." So I think that's what we're going to do, right? And um, here's a little bit more info about that. This is also from the UMJC.org. Uh, quote, help the people of Ukraine. The UMJC's partners in Ukraine, Poland, and Romania are working to provide life-saving aid to the people of Ukraine with a special focus on the Jewish community. They are providing refugees coming over the border with hot meals, blankets, diapers, emergency housing, and free rides to destinations further inside Europe. Our partners are distributing life-saving help inside Ukraine as well, sending money to pay for food, medicine, gasoline, and water. All Ukraine-designated gifts will be immediately deployed to our partners on the ground, unquote. So that's what we're pointing forward to, right? We're pointing forward to Shavuot and to that offering. But what actually is the Omer, right? We say it, we talk about it, but what is an Omer, right? We don't, you don't, you don't use that word in general conversation, right? You know, you know, I'm not hearing like, well, so how's your Omer, Lloyd? Oh, it's pretty good. How's your Omer, right? You don't, it's, it's uh, not that familiar. So before I get any further into this, I want to mention that a lot of this sermon came from a really excellent drosh that I heard from Rabbi David Foreman on Parshat Amor, this week's Parsha, and it was on a podcast called Parsha Lab. Uh, so anyway, a good way to understand a Hebrew word, any Hebrew word, is to do what? To look at the first time that that word occurs in the Bible. It's called the Law of First mention. It's helpful to understanding it. So what about the Omer? Where does that show up? You know, it's we see it in this week's Parsha, right? But does it happen before that? What do you think? Do you think it, it shows up before? Right? Where Are there any guesses as to where we think the Omer might show up before Leviticus? I can't hear you guys. Noah? Noah had an Omer? I think he had cubits, which is a measure of distance. Omer is a measure of, of wheat, right? Like a bushel, right? I love you a bushel and a peck, right? So that's, the, that's what that is. Okay, so uh, right after Passover, the first Passover is apparently uh, where we see it. So remember, we came out of Egypt, right? We're delivered. We sing the song of the sea in Exodus 15. And then we get a little bit of Torah, a little bit of instruction. The first fruits of the commandments, in a sense. Before we even get to Sinai, there's a commandment that has to do with the Omer, right? It's the first fruits, the Bikurim. All right, this is from Exodus 16, uh, starting in verse 14. And remember, we just came out of Egypt. When the layer of dew was gone, on the surface of the desert was a thin, flake-like frost, as fine as the frost on the ground. When B'nai Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? 
Manhu, which is where um, um, manna comes from, for they did not know what it was. Then Moses said to them, It is the bread that Adonai has given you to eat. This is the word that Adonai has commanded. Every man is to gather according to his needs and... Omer, per person, right? According to the number of people per household, each man is to take it for those who are in his tent. B'nai Yisrael did so, and some gathered more, some less. When they measured it with an omer, those who gathered more had nothing left over. And those that gathered less did not lack anything at all. See that little miracle right in there? It's just right in the middle of the explaining, right? <laughs> they, they gathered, some people gathered different amounts, but it all turned out to be an omer, and all turned out to be exactly what they needed. It's really, really beautiful. Also, Moses said to them, let no one save any of it until the morning. However, they did not listen to Moses. Surprise, surprise. So some of them preserved it until the morning, but it bred worms and rotted. So Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it morning by morning, each man according to his needs, and as the sun became hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread. Why, why is that? For Shabbat. Two omers for each individual. So all the leaders of the community came and informed Moses. But he said to them, this is what Adonai has said. Tomorrow is a Shabbat rest. Can you say that with me? Tomorrow is a Shabbat rest. A holy Shabbat to Adonai. Bake whatever you would bake and boil what you would boil. Store up for yourselves everything that remains to be kept into the morning. So they set it aside until the morning, just as Moses instructed, and it did not rot, nor were there any worms. Then Moses said, eat that today, because today is a Shabbat to Adonai. Today you will not find it in the field. You are to gather it for six days, but the seventh day is the Shabbat, and there will be none. And we know, if, if you've ever read past this, you know that some of them, you know, went out on Shabbat, and there was nothing there, and they were like, oh, wow, what's going on? And Moses was just like, you could see him going like this. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so normally if they tried to gather more, right, if they tried to hog it, right? We know that's not kosher, right? Hogging something. But especially, you know, um, goods or services. <laughs> when they tried to hog it for themselves, normally it would rot. But the only exception to that was for Shabbat, right? And they got a double portion. Very interesting. So here's some key ideas and words from this passage that I, I just noticed. Number one, the Omer reminds us of manna, right? And when we get to this week's portion, it's going to be referencing the, the episode in the manna. What was that? That was when God provided for us in the desert, in the wilderness. There is no food, and it came right down from heaven, right? And God started to teach us his ways, right? Even before we got the Torah, he's teaching us about the Shabbat. He's teaching us about providing for others and not hoarding, not hogging things, right? He's already starting to instruct us. So it's the first fruits, right, of the Torah. No one had too much or too little. It became exactly an Omer, exactly what each person needed. So don't hog the manna. Tell someone, turn to someone and say, don't hog the manna. Right? It's not kosher. All right? And else, what's going to happen if you hog it, if you try to take more? It's just going to rot, right? 
Okay? The first fruits of the Torah are given, right? We have Shabbat instructions before they even get to Sinai, right? I think that's significant, right? Right after they came out, right after they came out, they sang the song of the sea. God has delivered us. He threw the Pharaoh and his army into the sea, right? They just came out. Exodus 16 now, and we see this first instruction, right? So that means it must be important. Right? We also see the words uh, tomorrow and Shabbat together, and we're going to come back to that, so remember that. Okay? We see, number five, we see the double portion of manna, right? The two omers on Friday. And uh, we also see a lot of numbers. We see the number seven, right? For Shabbat. We see the number 40. Where does the number 40 play out? Because they're in the wilderness. They're going to spend 40 years there. They don't know it yet, but that's a theme, right, of, of, of that time. And we see the number 50, right, which is 7 times 7 plus 1, right? That's, uh, that's the, uh, the timing of that. That's the, the, the years in that, that period, and, right? And we're going to see that come, come up again as well. T- let's look at the, think about the timeline for a second. Tradition tells us that there were 50 days between the first Passover, they came out, and what other thing? Shavuot, the giving of the Torah. They spent 50 days, right, in, the, in that time. That's the time that we're in right now, right? Was, but this was the first one. This is the first Passover to Shavuot. So this is a very special time in God's calendar in between these two events, right? God is doing something in this time. Let's jump to this week's Parsha, which uh, tells more about the law of the Omer, so we get more of an understanding of it. And this is from Leviticus 23. Uh, and uh, what's unusual here is that it is a special offering, but it's not with the other offerings. You know, Leviticus, it talks about the grain offering, the, the wave offering, all these things, right? That's in another section. But this is with all of the Moedim, right? Do you know that Hebrew word? Let's say that together. Moedim. Moedim. Moed is the appointed time, right? These are the appointed festivals, right? These are the Moedim. Uh, and it begins, uh, in this week's Parsha, it begins with Shabbat. Then it talks about Passover. And then it explains the Omer and Shavuot. And, uh, and Andrew um, beautifully read the, the part after that. It talks about the fall holidays, right? Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and things like that. So this is starting in verse 9. Uh, and in uh, the complete Jewish Bible, the heading is Bikurim and Shavuot. First fruits and Shavuot. Uh, Shavuot, of course, means weeks, right? Shavua is seven, right? Or a week, right? So seven times seven is 49. That's where Shavuot comes from. And the English word we use is Pentecost. Penta means five, right? Because it's 50 days. 49 plus one. Make sense? Lots of numbers. You didn't know you were going to do math this morning, but that's okay. Okay. So, Adonai spoke to Moses saying, Speak to B'nai Yisrael and tell them, When you've come into the land I will give you and reap its harvest, then you are to bring the Omer of the first fruits of your harvest to the Kohen, the priest. He is to wave the Omer before Adonai to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Shabbat. There's the tomorrow and the Shabbat again, 
right? Again, they're, they're linked together. The Kohen is to waive it. You are not to eat bread, roasted grain, or fresh grain until this same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. In other words, before Passover, they were supposed to eat old bread. You know, not like old and nasty, but just the not that new harvest, right? And then when they started counting the Omer, they could they could eat from that new harvest. It's a, it's a transitional time. You see that? Okay. So it is a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. Verse 15, then you are to count from the morrow after the Shabbat, right? There's the tomorrow and the Shabbat again. From the day that you brought the Omer of the wave offering, seven complete Shabbatot. How many days is that? How many days is seven Shabbats? 49, right? Seven weeks, okay? Until the morrow after the seventh Shabbat, you are to count 50 days and then present a new grain offering to Adonai, uh, which we're going to do. Uh, for our Shavuot offering, right? Uh, you are to bring out of your houses, not one, but two loaves of bread. Why? Double portion, right? See, all these texts are related to each other, right? The Bible is interwoven. You're supposed to make these connections. For a wave offering made of two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour, they are to be baked with chametz as first fruits to Adonai. Chametz is the leavening, right? Because this is after, this is after Passover, so it's a new season. And then you have the first fruits. Now when you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap to the furthest corner of your field or gather to the gleanings of your harvest. Rather, you to leave them for the poor and the outsider. Share with the gear, right? Turn to somebody and say, share with the gear. The gear is the resident alien, right? Okay. Uh, I am Adonai, your God. So a lot of these things are, themes are coming up. Do you see the, the connection to the, to the manna? Raise your hand if you see some of the things already, right? Okay, so we have, here's some of the themes that I noticed, and we can, we can uh, share that. Number one, we see tomorrow and Shabbat, right? They're linked together. Number two, we see the double portion, just like the manna, but this time it's for an offering, right? Number three, again, no one has too little to eat nor too much. Why, why do we know that? Because they left the corners of their field, right? So they, they said to each other, don't hog the Omer, right? Right? Why is that? Because everything we have is God's. And God is trying to teach them that they are to take care. Now, it's not just about you, right? But it's about providing for others. That's an important part of being the people of God, an important part of the gospel. Right? Number four, when you start counting the Omer, in that moment, you can eat the new produce, right? Before it's old grain, now it's new grain. So from Passover to Shavuot is a time of what? New life. New life. New harvest. Right? Renewal. The Omer that we're counting, it represents the newness. If anyone is in Messiah, they are a new creation. Right? The old has passed away. Before Passover, you eat the old stuff. But now, after Passover, during the Omer, you're eating of the new crop. That Omer that you're gathering for your, uh, for your offering, you're, you're gleaning from that. The third text, um, wait, I didn't get through all this. Okay, so number five, uh, the Omer again looks back toward the manna, which is when God provided for us in the wilderness, right? So when we count, we're counting, right, 40 plus 10, what are we remembering? 
We're remembering the manna. We're counting the Omer, but we're remembering God provided for us. He gave us bread from the heavens. Uh, And again, we see the same numbers, right? The number 7, the number 40, which represents the wilderness, and the number 50, right? All these numbers are, are reoccurring. And finally, uh, the Pharisees in later Judaism interpreted, there's a, the scripture that says, the morrow after Shabbat as the day after Passover. Right? That's how it's been interpreted in, in Judaism, but there's kind of a, a difference in interpretation. So some people start counting the Omer at a different time. Right? But the idea is after the Shabbat, and the Pharisees say, well, the Shabbat refers to Passover. So they kind of did a, a hermeneutical, uh, you know, wiggle there, right? But that, that's uh, that's how we understand it in Judaism traditionally. Um, and uh, during the time of Yeshua, during the resurrection of Yeshua, both of those days actually uh, coincided. So there would have been, no matter how you interpret it, some years it just works out, right? Okay, so let's take a look at the third text. Uh, This is from Joshua 5. And what's going on here? Well, they're about to enter the land of Israel for the first time. And so what's the first thing they need to do? I mentioned this earlier uh, with uh, me and my wife. They need to circumcise all the males. Why is that? Because they didn't do it. They didn't do it during while they all that time they were wandering around in that generation. They didn't pass on that covenant, so it's kind of a, a kind of a uh, omission, right? They they forgot, but uh, the Lord is gracious, right? He didn't he didn't punish them right away. He allowed them to okay. Now you're entering into the land, right? And so you can do it now because this is a time of new life. Amen. Turn to someone else and say, this is a time of new life. So, uh, you can see the context here, right? That that's why they're doing it now. What time of year do you think it is when they're entering the land? Does anyone have any guesses? Passover. Yeah, Lloyd knows. You get a Torah point for sure. All right, let's go down to verse 9. Okay. So this is, uh, explains why they weren't circumcised in the desert. Then Adonai said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Why is he mentioning Egypt? That was 40 years ago, right? Because it's a time of renewal. It's a time of redemption. This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt for you. Therefore, the name of that place has been called Gilgal to this day. When Bnei Yisrael camped at Gilgal, they observed Passover. Yes, Lloyd was right. It was Passover time on the evening of the 14th day of the month in the plains of Jericho. On the day after Passover, right, there's the next day and the Passover. On that very day, what did they do? Say it with me. They ate of the produce of the land. Say it one more time. They ate of the produce of the land. Matzot and roasted grain. Then, and only then, the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten of the produce of the land. Wow. And in, uh, in the Hebrew, it says the manna shabbated. The manna rested. 
Isn't that interesting? After they had eaten the produce of the land, B'nai Israel had manna no longer, but ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan that year. Wow. So what's happening here? Again, we see similar things. We see, number one, we see new life. Right? There's the covenant of the circumcision, meaning they're consecrated to God. It's a new start because it's on the eighth day. Right? The eighth day of creation was the first day of the week after, you know, God created the land and the sea. You know, that was seven days and rested. Day number eight is the day of new creation, new life. Right? And that's the day of circumcision. Number two, what, what timeline are we on again? What time is it? What time of the year is it? When they enter the land. It's Passover, right? And the day after Passover, they stop eating the manna and they eat the first fruits, the bikarim of the, of the land. So it's a time of transition, right? It's a season of new harvest, maturing from manna to grain. This is the first time in the history of the Bible that they would have tasted the fruit of the land. The first time. The day after Passover. Is that a coincidence? No, that's God's timing, right? He's pointing to something here. This is the first fruits, right? And number three, I didn't put all the numbers up, you know, the sevens and the forties and the fifties, but it's the same numbers, right? We're seeing that again, right? And number four, the manna stopped. Literally, the manna Shabbated. It rested forever, right? But that doesn't mean you forget about it. Right? Remember that God provided for you in the desert, right? By counting the Omer, because Omer reminds us of manna. Alright? Now, for a moment, let's think about the Gospels. Right? During the final days of Yeshua's life. Right? What was happening in that timeline? It's the same thing, right? It's the same thing. Number one, the death of Yeshua was just before Passover, right? Just before Passover. Number two, the first fruits, the beginning of the counting of the Omer, was probably the day after Shabbat or the day after Passover. What happened? Yeshua rose from the dead. Yeshua resurrected at the beginning of the counting of the Omer. New life. Number three, he spent 40 days with his students in a resurrected body, right? And it was different. He could walk through walls, he could appear and disappear, but he could also eat and, and, and do life with them, right? So it was, a, it was a renewed body. It was totally different. Number four, 10 days later, that would be 50 days, right? He spends 40 days with his students. He ascends to the right hand of the Father, and then 10 days later, what happens? Shavuot. They're all there. All the Jews have brought what? They've brought their omers. They've brought their offering. They brought 50 omers of wheat as an offering in Jerusalem because it's a pilgrimage festival. And that is when the outpouring of the presence of God falls on all these Jews from all these nations. And they're able to hear praises of God in their own language, right? It's a miracle. Yeshua died just before Passover, probably the day after Passover, or, um, or after Shabbat, or maybe it was both, because in, in this year I think it, it coincided. He rose from the dead. He was the first fruits, the bikarim, of all who trusted in him. 
In John 12, during the festival of Passover, Yeshua said this, The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Yes, I tell you that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, and stays just a grain, but if it dies, it produces a big harvest. He who loves his life loses it, but he who hates his life in the world will keep it safe right on into eternal life. If someone is serving me, let him follow me. Wherever I am, my servant will be there too. My father will honor anyone who serves me. Kind of sounds like all the themes that we've been talking about, right? Acknowledging that everything we have is from God, and therefore we belong to God, right? And our life is his, right? And if we try to hog hog the Omer, hog our lives, right? Hold on tight, it doesn't work, right? But if we release the Omer, release our lives to God, and trust him, then he will direct our steps, and we will walk on into eternal life. About this passage, Dr. David Stern says this. Uh, he, he did the version of the complete Jewish Bible. Quote, coincidentally, this parable was spoken to his Jewish disciples as they had come to celebrate Passover, Pesach. This is when uh, Yeshua is talking. It's amazing. Just before Sefirat HaOmer, the counting of the Omer, the resurrection of Messiah from the dead is perfectly symbolized in the wave offering of the first fruits. So it was imperative for the Messiah to die exactly on Pesach in order to fulfill the prophecies. So too Messiah must be risen from the dead on the counting of the Omer, unquote. Makes sense, right? Thematically. Last week, we talked about how everything we have is really from God, and our need to entrust the things that are important to us to God, right? It's, it's not our pineapples, it's his pineapples. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you know, you can check out, we have uh, all our sermons online, right? But it's his, it's his pineapples. Overall, there's two main things that I see in the counting of the Omer. It teaches us we have a moral obligation, right, to take care of the poor, because everything we have is from God. And also it teaches us that this is a season of resurrection. This is a season of transition. And that is why I believe God put it on my heart this year to direct 100% of the Shavuot offering outward from our local community. This is a transition time. It's a transition time for, for me and Sonia. right? But I think that's... That's not an accident that it's happening now, right? This is the time that God is bringing new life, not just to our family, our couplehood. We're going from couplehood to parenthood, right? We're going from the manna to walking into the land and having the first fruits, right? We're, we're in a transition time, but and that can be a, a little bit painful, right? A little bit adjusting, you know, we might not get a lot of sleep, right? But it's good because God is bringing new life, right? Unless a grain of wheat dies, it can't be resurrected in newness, in fullness, right? So my prayer, this is my sense from God, is that this season we will experience new resurrection life. We will experience new breakthroughs, promises fulfilled. The presence of God in our families, the presence of God in our lives, 
right? Because we trust in him, and this is a new season. He's doing something new. Behold, I am doing something new. See how it springs up. Do you not perceive it? The Holy Spirit, in greater measure, right? We can always go deeper with the presence of God, right? We haven't arrived. We're not, we're not uh, cooking on all cylinders, right? I'm, I think I'm mixing my metaphors here, right? But there's always more. <laughs> there's always more to the presence of God. Amen? And he wants to give us that on Shavuot, but he wants to give us that now, during the counting of the Omer. He wants to give us that now, because he loves us. He takes care of us. This is the beginning of a beautiful harvest time. It's the kingdom of Yeshua in our families and in our communities. Amen? All right. Avinu, Uh, Our Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for this season of resurrection, which is something only you can do, Lord. We can't resurrect ourselves by any means. But you bring us new life, and you bring us into transitional times. You're bringing new life literally into into our our family, and I believe you're bringing new life into our community, our our synagogue family as well. Uh, And this is a sign of your faithfulness. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, that you direct our steps and that you are showing us uh, how to follow you and trust you in this new season. And we thank you that you bring the fullness of resurrection life by trusting and allegiance to Yeshua the Messiah. And in his name we pray. Amen.